All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Real Live Talk. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to welcome to the podcast for uh, the first time, Tiffany Brereton. Uh, Tiffany has an amazing story to share that demonstrates the faithfulness and grace of God. She's the author of From Stilettos to Grace, in which she opens up her heart and shares her journey of pain, disappointment, sorrow, and darkness, and uh, ultimately of God's redeeming grace, goodness, and love. She's passionate about seeing others healed of childhood trauma and PTSD. And in her speaking and teaching, uh, she strives to help others find hope they never thought they could and seeks to remove the taboo around talking about sexual abuse and other traumas. I pray that this conversation today uh, adds some value to your life, encourages you, challenges you, inspires you in some way. Uh, if it does, if you would consider partnering with us by following the Facebook page uh, or by subscribing on one of the podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know, wherever you uh, get your podcasts. And if you really want to go the extra mile and leave a review, uh, that would be amazing. So uh, for those of you who are the most Christ-like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but if you want to leave a review, uh, that'd be awesome. That would really help us out and help us get in front of more people. So uh, if you're watching live or watching later, uh, feel free. We welcome you to leave comments in the chat, ask questions, stuff like that. And uh, we'd love to engage with you there, whether it's live or later on. And uh, yeah, so let me go ahead and bring my guest up on the stream here. Uh, Tiffany, so good to see you. It's really great to, uh, as I said a minute ago, kind of meet you in person after you know, just kind of knowing each other on uh, social media, back and forth and some stuff like that. And it's really good to meet you. Thanks so much for being here. It's an honor to have you. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Duke. I'm excited. Yes. And uh, I was a little bit vague in the way that I uh, kind of introduced you. I didn't want to give a whole lot away from this from the story and from uh, what you're going to share with us today, because, you know, I really want to hear it from you. I'm sure the listeners want to hear it from you as well. So um, I would love to uh, just kind of start there if we can kind of go back to, you know, maybe the beginning, the early days. And uh, if you would just kind of start sharing your story with us and then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, would love to. Thanks. So first of all, I'm a wife and mother of four children. Um, and my story, as everyone else's, starts, you know, from young age. I was uh, born and raised a uh, Catholic and really had faith in my background <clears throat> wouldn't say that i had a relationship at that time with the lord but definitely was um definitely had some faith and some character building started in me from a young age um around the age around sixth grade as um, many of you probably have um experienced trauma kind of steals some of your memories and age is sometimes one of those things that you're just guessing at, left guessing at. But around sixth grade, a cousin of ours moved into our home and was really excited about that because uh, really admired this cousin. And um, not too long after, I was a very affectionate child and was mm. climbing all over my cousin um, as, as I tended to do. And really opened up and was very vulnerable in a very vulnerable situation and um, was left being sexually abused by that cousin. Um, and that really just sent me down a um, downward spiral. I 
at the time didn't even have the language for what just occurred to me. I never spoke of it until I was an adult, but some of the side effects I had from it was constantly leaving suicide notes, thinking about wanting to kill myself, cutting my arm up with razors, and um, either I was bulimic or anorexic. And a lot of these things that I experimented, if you will, at the time with was really just to get some attention and to be seen. And I was crying out for help. Um, and I don't say that lightly because I know a lot of these things that I experienced, eating disorders and, and such and severe depression, um, are clinical things that people experience and really need help. But for me, this was a cry, cry out for help in trying to get attention um, without having the language to tell anyone. So I didn't tell anyone until I was about the age of 18. And, um, but it, I really remained a good girl, if you will. I had mm. strong, a very strong character. And <clears throat> I said, the first person I have sex with was going to be the first person I'm, or was going to be the person I married and really held on to that conviction. So at the age of 18 as a virgin, um, I decided it was a, a good idea to become a stripper. Not really sure how that, how that was a, a good idea. Of course it was not, but, um, looking back now and learning a little bit from my experience and healing, I also, know that I found attention because of the sexual abuse at a young age through my body. Okay. And it was a way to be seen and known. And I was mm. an attention starved young lady and no one's fault, but that cup could never be filled, but well. besides the Lord. So, um, I would say at that age, I really started to lose my faith as well. Um, mm. The world that I, um, I went to Catholic school for 12 years and a month after I graduated, I walked into the strip club as a virgin. And that was my first introduction to the real world, if you will. So that's where I learned my sexuality. That's where I learned adulting and, and what people yeah. were really really like that's how I experienced the opposite sex for the first time. And, um, you know, we would have men sneaking out of their house in the evening time after the kids went to bed or the wife went to bed just to see us. And, um, right. The damage just from, you know, meeting people in that kind of darkness, um, mm. was really, that took a long time to heal from because I really thought that was everyone. Um, so met a man there who really, uh, he worked there and I really connected with him as a person to keep me safe. That was his job actually, because I had to do lap dances. Like that's part of the job of being a stripper. And, um, yeah really leaned on him to protect me from being touched or anything. Well, uh, this man unfortunately took advantage of that vulnerability and that relationship. And 
I ended up losing my virginity to rape from this man. And so that conviction and that I spoke about earlier, that first person I had sex with, I was going to marry. My mind told me I couldn't leave this man now because I had sex with him. And that, of course, we know now is is not sex, that's rape. That's very different. Mm. But that's what I had made a decision a long time as a little girl that that was what I was going to do. So I stayed in that very damaging relationship for a very long time. And then it turned into, you know, marriage. So, Mm. um, you know, uh, had a beautiful daughter out of the situation and blessed to have her and god just his grace he does use all things yeah so um came out of that came out of that marriage which was um i think just again example of god's grace because that child now it was more about her than it was about me so i was able to stand and be strong and leave that relationship well so there's there's a lot and a lot more yeah. traumas along the way, but that's just a little bit of it. That's the that's the 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 base the basic backstory, and yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll get into some <laughs> more. No, so thank story. you so thank you so much for sharing. Um, thank you for your you know your openness and vulnerability, and um, you know just just one of the things that as as you're talking, um, one of the things that I'm that I'm curious about. You know those things that happened to you. Um, you you mentioned a couple different experiences of sexual abuse. Um, when when those things happened to you, I know that the first the first time it happened, you, you it was a very young age and probably very difficult to even process like what had just happened, right? Um, but just kind of going through that and then kind of dealing with the subsequent shame and and everything that inevitably follows those kinds of experiences. Did you feel like you were responsible? Like, did you hold yourself responsible and feel like you had blame there or were you able to kind of process it to the point that you knew it wasn't you? Cause I know, I know that a lot of people from conversations that I've had with people in the past that when they go through something like that, they, they take on guilt from that experience, even though it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't your fault. It wasn't their fault. Um, that, you know, somebody chose to take advantage of them, um, and take advantage of their, their trust and their vulnerability and their innocence. And so, um, but I know that that's something that the enemy really, really uses Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, just kind of destroy people and just unravel your identities and stuff like that. So just wondering, is that something that was, what was that like for you? Just kind of processing right. that, the, those experiences. Well, you're right. For the most part, you know, it is one of those things, guilt and shame. A lot of people have to deal with coming out of sexual abuse. But for me personally, um, by the grace of God, guilt was not really a thing for me. I knew wow. that it was not my fault and that it wasn't okay. Um, but shame was a big one for me and Mm. shame just being that I couldn't tell anyone, um, what would they think about me? Um, you know, so more afraid of people's judgment, um, come, especially with, you know, being a stripper. So, yeah. 
it's really interesting to me too how you talked about um like the cries for help and you talked about mm -hmm. like leaving out suicide notes mm -hmm. that really struck me because i read i read that in your book and it struck me then and uh i'm pretty sure you mentioned that a minute ago unless i was just remembering it from yeah. <laughs> from, from reading i know yeah. you met i yeah because and you mentioned the um you mentioned cutting yourself and eating disorders and things of that nature and so just like that 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 cry for help of like i want somebody to see that something's wrong with me i, I don't know how to articulate it i don't know how to just come out and tell somebody about it but i there's something inside of me that wants people to know right. Did, were you were, was that were you aware of that at the time like were you aware like i'm leaving out these suicide notes because i want somebody to find them or is this you looking back now and you're like i like i i was just me crying out for help what was right going at the on there? time i i guess i really did know it was crying out for help but I didn't know that the sexual abuse was really the root of it. You know, these were clear warning signs that, you know, we know of now and re research shows us now that these are things that should set red alarms off. And my parents, um, you know, did the best they could with the situation and were so amazing to know that something wasn't okay and tried to get me the help that I needed. But um the language just wasn't there for me yet to be able to process what even had occurred and why i was spiraling spiraling out of control if you will yeah and uh so how how long did you did you stay in that place you you said you became a, a stripper when you were 18 yes yes and I how long did that go on for well, after I had my child, there was a, well, there was a break when I became pregnant at the age of 19. Um, okay. And then there was, there was the break from when I was pregnant to after I had her. Well, after we divorced and um, my heart just is really compassionate for women still in the strip club because when you are in that environment you grow accustomed just like we do in any job to yeah. that amount of money coming in and just like any job that becomes your job description that is what you are capable and of doing that is your skill set if you will so putting down on a resume to get any sort of decent job to make even close to the amount of money that I could make as a stripper, um, you, you, it's just not a thing. So yeah. my heart breaks for those who are really the women in the clubs that are trying to feed their children. And um, they, you know, no one grows up and says, when I grow up, I want to be a stripper, you know? Right. So I just have just the biggest heart for them, but sorry, off a little tangent, but, um, so went back because that was really what I thought at the time, my only option, I was now a single mom and I had to take care of my, um, daughter. So I went back for, I think two more years after that. So I would say in total mm. three to four years. Okay. <sighs> yeah, no, I, I remember I was, um, an Uber driver for 
uh, you know, for uh, a number of years mm-hmm. here where I live. And uh, I remember that, you know, there are a few times, you know, you never know what what kind of who you're going to be picking up and stuff like that. And sometimes you don't even, you know, I I just I, I get a request and all I see is the person's name and I and how far away it is and start driving. And then, you know, not even realizing like there, there were there were a handful of times where I would either pick somebody up or, or, or drop somebody off. Um, you know, who's going to to work at a at a strip club, you know, picking up a young girl, getting off of her shift or something like that. And my heart would just would just break for these young girls. And like, you know, I don't know the situation. Like, I don't know why that person's there. But I imagine like as you're talking about, like, you know, a lot of times it's just a decision that's made because they don't maybe don't see another option and they're just trying to provide for their kids. And I think the single mother thing getting into that lifestyle and 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 everything i think that that's fairly common and you know we could be like as as the church like church people like we could be so quick to judge people for you know getting into a, a a spot like that and like oh well they made those decisions and whatever like okay yeah but like you know i just i just think we could be so quick to judge without recognizing just the brokenness that goes along with it and you know these are not these are not bad people like they've maybe made some bad decisions maybe mm-hmm. some bad things have happened to them that have kind of led them down this path to be there but i just remember like my heart would just would just you know would just break for these young girls like man like if you could just see yourself mm-hmm. you know if you could just realize how valuable you are and how loved you are and how just how much god loves you and the plan that he has for your life like you don't have to be doing this like if you could just see that you are so much better than what you're living right now you know and it's it's hard to break that down on a mm-hmm. uh, 10 minute car ride but right right <laughs> but and, you know what i mean right and that's you know i have uh actually that brings me to the point of why i actually say and do you know what i'm doing um you know god was really he's just been so sweet to talk to me about you know you i watch sermons now for fun that's what i do for fun now but he <laughs> he uh you know he just showed me like um you see drug addicts and people in prison, you see them come out of that situation and on fire for Jesus and really speak to that and use, use your, use their voice in that way. But Tiffany, you don't see people come out of the sex industry and have a voice. And that's what he's using me for. And he's not only using me for, the the ones who haven't found their voice yet and able to say what I have said because he's healed me to be able to do so. He's also using me in a major way for the Christians who who have judgment towards those people. And let's let's be real, we all have judgment, you know, in one way or the other, but we can't love and have the eyes of the Father with that judgment. So he's also using me in a way of just really um, checking that inside Christians, you know, like my pink and purple hair is even very much on purpose because, (laughs) you know, it, it reaches a different audience. It takes us all in the kingdom, right? Is a, is a girl that's hurting and has been hurt by sexual abuse or is maybe in the Mm -hmm. sex industry or Mm -hmm. there's some addiction. Is she going to be 
more apt to walk up to someone who looks like me or someone that looks like she has it all together. And, and that's how God uses me all the time. So sometimes I'm like, could I just have some, some normal hair, Lord? <laughs> it's clashing with all my outfits and I really like fashion. So it goes perfectly with what you're wearing well, right now. It's, it's on awesome. purpose though. That's on purpose. So definitely, yeah. My wardrobe is super limited right now. So you have to buy all new clothes to go yeah. with your hair. Yeah. Yeah. It's always changing. So, um, but yeah, black becomes my best friend because I'm like, well, that goes with everything. So, um, okay. you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's good for Christians just to know that it really does take us all. We don't want as a body to look the same, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's characteristics of Jesus that are in me that you might not, you know, share the same. So. Yeah. Um, just embracing and walking in that is, has been a beautiful thing because no, I've rejected awesome. it for so long. That's awesome. No, we need you. We need you there doing the work that you're doing and speaking into the lives of people the way that you are. It, you know, the, the way that the redemptive nature of God works in our lives, it's so cool to see that, you know, playing out in your life and in the way that now you can be a bridge to... Mm -hmm to those that are still, you know, that are in that, that industry or dealing with things that are similar or that are, you know, that do have uh, abuse in their, in their past or something like that. You can be a bridge and to, you know, one thing connecting us on this end in, in terms of what we talked about compassion and, and learning how to see people and honor people, you know, where, where they are. Uh, but also, you know, of course, being able to speak into their lives mm -hmm. in a way that, um, you know, some, somebody like, uh, you know, in, in a way that I, that I can't, you know what I mean? Like I can, I can speak into somebody's life, but you can do it in a way that's very, very unique because you can relate. You can say, you know what, like, I know what you're going through. I even know the mindset that you're in because I lived it. And, you know, that's really, really cool. And, and what you said is, is, is so awesome that we, you know, we need, we need all of this. We need all of this to, to be strengthened in the body of Christ. And I love the fact that, you know, I think we even I mentioned it in your kind of your bio at the beginning, something that's that is just on your heart that you're passionate about is kind of breaking down the stigma that's attached to these things. And and like, you know, these kind of taboo subjects that right. are difficult to talk about. And I just think it's awesome that you're doing what you're doing. Thank you. Yes, I am blessed to be part of a church that allows for sexual abuse and these things to be talked about out in the open. Mm. But I know that is not the case in a, a lot of churches. So that right. is definitely my heart. Jesus did not come to die on the cross just so we could die with our shame and guilt. Um, mm. He wants more freedom for us. So it's super important. And he uses my broken, hot mess self to, <laughs> to speak and to share because he's brought me so much healing in my life and I'm able to do so. So. That's so good. Well, let's start. Let's let's go down that route. I mean, if if there's anything else um, that you that you want to uh, share, you uh, you can that maybe we didn't touch on. Uh, but I would love to kind of start getting into, you know, how did things start to turn around? How did you start on that that healing process? And, you know, how did you really you know, I know you had a knowledge of God going back to 
right. you know, from a young age and you grew up um, in the, you said Catholic schools and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so there was that knowledge of God, but you said there was something in terms of relationship lacking there. So how did things start to kind of turn around for you? How did you get acquainted with with God and with his love and with his grace? Mm -hmm. And a uh, super loaded question, but and then, you know, begin <laughs> to start kind of walking down that that path of healing yeah. and take as much time to like unpack that as as you need, because I know it's a it's a loaded question, probably yeah. spanned over a course of years of your life. So yeah, you know. how long? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so um, after, you know, we end up with here with ending my first marriage, and I really put priority on my child and taking care of her, and had a broke couple broken relationships. After that, it it became a cycle. I was really leaning into these men for my value and just to be seen and loved and thought I was dating a different man, but it seemed like the man was always the same at the end. It would end in an emergency protection order or something just dramatic. So um, I, I recognize at, in my age of probably 24, 25 at the time, that I was caught in a cycle. Mm. Um, I recognized that. And, and then again, and God's just been so faithful to walk me through every time I make a decision with him unknowingly at the time, I, I really keep to that decision. So I made a decision at the time that it was going to be about me and my daughter, and I was going to remain single made a list of some characteristics that I would hope for in a man. And until that happened, I was going to be single and I was going to take care of my child and, um, and go about my life. Yeah. So decided that and, um, met a man probably a year or so later. And the man was, terrific he had most of the characteristics that i was looking for <laughs> checked um, most of the boxes yeah he really did and he was such a good man and you know he had such a great relationship with my daughter and you know it seemed like my fairy tale was coming true like who doesn't want to have husband wife and then babies not you know not just mom with baby so really, um, we, everything went really quick. We were engaged within six months and got married really quick. And then, um, we joined an MLM, just a multi-level marketing business. Yeah. And at the time it was a setup <laughs> by God, okay. because we start going to seminars and things like that. And they were christian speakers the at these seminars and i had no relationship with the lord and i would have labeled myself as atheist at that time and my husband would have labeled himself that way as well so we start hearing about people talking to god and what they were hearing from god and what god has done in their life and i'm like what in the world? How are these people hearing from the <laughs> Lord? Like, can you even do that? So seeds were being planted in me 
Um, and then of course a mentor of ours in the business was just, um, we just respected him so much and he invited us to church. Um, and because we respected him so much, we're like, okay, well, let's go. So we went, we took my daughter and really started liking church. It was a Baptist church and the altar call happened, you know, a few weeks later and felt what I know now is the Holy Spirit, but felt a major tug inside of me to go forward. Had no idea. I was like, thought I was losing my mind or something, but yeah. <laughs> I was alone with yeah. my daughter and here we went towards the front together. And love that. Uh, there was no even prayer at the time. And, you know, I've said the salvation prayer 455,000 times probably since then, but he did the work right then in my salvation. There was no mm -hmm. language needed. It was my obedience and walking forward. And I experienced him in that moment. And wow. it was so beautiful. And I, of course, you know, started going Sunday morning, Sunday nights, Wednesday night, all the times. Like, so um, <laughs> as then, much as you could be there, I'm um, all in. Yeah. And um, my husband, uh, you know, he wasn't maybe as all in as first, but really started enjoying church as well. So he became very sick not too long after that. Mm. Um, he was diagnosed with AML leukemia, actually. And that was a really, really long journey. Well, not really long, actually. January of 2008, he was diagnosed and mm -hmm. re-diagnosed after thinking we beat the leukemia several times wow. um, in between then. And then September 11th, he passed away of that same year. Um, wow. But... God used that, even that leukemia, um, timing of course was amazing that I found relationship with the Lord, because I don't know what I would have done without having that constant friend to really just lean into during that time. My husband, um, after his first chemotherapy treatment went into like a respiratory and emergency and had to be intubated. Um, and at the time, I thought he was gone right away. But after he came out of that um, and was pulled from, you know, the life support system, a young pastor friend of ours who my husband really respected to respected came in and and spoke with him, and he accepted Jesus into his heart also then wow. in the hospital bed. So things changed for us. We never gave up hope during that experience because we had the Lord then. We really, mm. you know, um, we lived in a hospital for almost that entire time, January to September. Once you, that acute leukemia that he had, the AML, once you would start treatment, you would it you would be in there for 30 days straight because right. you need to take yeah. your numbers down to zero. So I felt like at the time, my parents watched my daughter for me because I was like, no one should have to go through this experience alone and and potentially die alone because he was always in, you know, just hmm. a grave state. Yeah. So that became my address and people became our friends and they were dying around us and just the trauma 
that you go through living at a hospital was, I don't know how we would, well, how I obviously would have made it through without the Lord at that time and just falling asleep and, and not having the words and the language again to even know what to ask for, just help Lord help. So, um, we had a, uh, I guess a crash course, me and the Lord in intimacy. And because of, you know, my dependency very quickly becoming, you know, relying on him and on him alone, our relationship, I would say developed really quickly. And, um, you know, he, he took me on a crazy journey right away. So, uh, through the grief, uh, I probably sat in that grief for about a solid year and he was so faithful and, you know, they, we say Mm -hmm. he's close to the brokenhearted and I can attest to that. That was, you know, there was nights where I thought I was just losing my mind and just sleepless nights. And he was so close. The closeness I felt with him during that grief journey, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that with him to this day even. Um, so, so that's where our relationship started and then, um, got married again, um, a couple, a few years later. Can I, um, can I hop in here? Yeah. Um, (laughs) 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 Thank you so much for sharing. I, I, um, I, I feel like this will be helpful uh, to some people. I, I, I love I love the fact that you that you kind of you, you kept this tenderness before the Lord throughout throughout that process and developed an intimacy with God going through something that was so, so tragic and heartbreaking. Um, I'm just curious because, you know, I feel like there's a lot of times where things happen. I mean, I'm just analyzing your situation as an outsider. And, you know, you had come through, you know, your experiences in your past of abuse and, uh, you know, kind of going down a path that you weren't happy with and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then you're getting your life on track and you meet the man of your dreams and everything is going well. And, you know, you're getting you're developing a relationship with God and, you know, and and then this kind of thing blindsides you. And, you know, I feel like a, a lot of people would respond to that. Um, and there'd be, and you know, there wouldn't be any, any judgment from me. I feel like I might respond this way where, where I'd be like, um, like God, what, like, where are you? Like, what is happening? Like, I, I was just starting to do the right things. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you can, um, relate to that at all, but, but just kind of like, like, God, I was just, I was starting to like go the right way. And like, then this is happening to like, why is this happening? Mm -hmm. And I just feel like there must've been some questions there. But yeah. I love the fact that you um, that it became a season where the where the Lord you allowed the Lord to minister to your heart and where you were, you know, maintaining that that closeness, and that relationship with God. I'm just curious, like walking through that, how how did you kind of walk through and processing that disappointment between you and the Lord in, in terms of I, I think, you know, because I, I, I feel like this is something that could really add a lot of value to people is like, how did you guard your heart in that season? 
um, yeah. in terms of your just walking through and, and, you know, dealing with that just massive, you know, disappointment and everything that was right. going on. Right. And we really did have those moments of questioning, of course, sure. um, during that time. But, you know, we experienced him and I experienced him. So whether I agreed with what he was doing or what was happening in our life, um, there was no denying that he was there anymore. And, you know, they say some people would take some to hit rock bottom before they look up. Well, that was rock bottom. So to me, I didn't have another choice. But I will tell you is, um, you know, as I still heal that, of course, I knew God and I experienced God. And but one thing that I had to heal from was knowing God as a good father, because, you know, everyone says you should fear the Lord, but I think there's a, there's a balance <laughs> and, and uh, you know, a healthy fear of the Lord and what I was doing was not healthy. So it was really like, you were afraid of God. Yes. In, instead of, you know, that awe of reverence right. of God. Yeah. Right. A very, and, and really struggled with um, trusting him. Jeremiah 29, 11 was, was my verse for three years. And I didn't know what the Lord was specifically saying with it for a very long time. But the big word in there was trusting his plans that he had for me. Mm. And he knew that I didn't trust him as a father because the things that were happening in my life, you know, did not line up with the plans that I thought, you know, for me, um, you know, so that's the one thing I couldn't deny that God was God and he was amazing and that I experienced him, you know, that Holy Spirit tug, that look back moment. I could, I could never let go and know that, that he was real and that he was powerful and that really in the situation, he was the only one that was either going to you know, heal my husband and pull us through this or, or he wasn't because we had done every, all the things, all the treatments, yeah. all, you know? Um, so I really had a hard time with the decision there not to heal my husband and, um, and trusting him for a good plan also struggled for a long time with, um, asking for healing because of course after that shortly after that i found out my first husband had died as well who was no longer part of our life mm -hmm. um so all of us you know the enemy really just did some attacking during that grieving time because then i felt like a curse so i was scared to even ask yeah for a prayer to yeah. heal someone because you don't want me oh, praying man. for you. You know, mm -hmm. God's, you know, God's not going to answer that prayer. So really just knowing now um, and healing from um, still so much further along, but just loving God and that his plans are good for me and um, that he is good and he is always there. But it took wow. some time. It was a journey. Yeah.
Yeah, no, it's so good. It's so good. Thank you for sharing. It's, you know, hanging on to that, that just kind of maintaining that, that tenderness before the Lord, when you're in going through something that you don't understand or that you don't know how to process. And when you do have those questions, like it's normal I think for everyone at some point in their life, maybe probably multiple times in their life to have those questions, God, like what, Mm -hmm. like, where are you? What is happening? What are you doing? But maintaining that tenderness before the Lord. And then also, like you mentioned, having that, that, that verse, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, and not knowing exactly what God was saying, what, what was, what was happening, but still like clinging to the promise, you know, clinging to the promises of God when you're going through that. Cause we could so easily go through bad times or good times and then use that as a, as an excuse or use it as a, as a disconnection point to say, well, like I've got to either figure this out on my own or whatever. And we can allow it to kind of create a fence in our heart toward God that then causes us to run from God and to stop trusting him, to stop believing him for the next thing. You know what I mean? And so we could so easily do that, but I just think that's so key is maintaining that, that just tenderness, that awe, that wonder before the Lord in the midst of the things that you don't have all the answers for. And just trusting that, you know, even though like my circumstances are not good right now, and this really, really hurts, it, it doesn't change the fact in my mind, God, that you are still good. Mm-hmm. And so pressing into that and allowing him to reveal himself even more because he will. And as, as you testify to it, you know, he, he meets you, he's close to the brokenhearted. He meets you where, where you are, um, wherever you are in the good times and the bad times, he meets you there and he'll always reveal himself to you. And, uh, I, I just, yeah, I think that that's a man. Uh, so, so such a just tragic story, but but so, so beautiful as well in terms of, you know, just God's faithfulness to you through the process. Yeah, absolutely. He's and good. I interrupted you, so you can, uh, you can, yeah. <laughs> you can <laughs> keep good. going with the next part. I think that's your job, so you're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, re- remarried, um, met my husband. Now we actually knew each other for a very long time. He was uh, my brother's best friend. So it was just God's grace again, super easy transition because, you know, being in the situation I was, I thought that my dreams of having the perfect family with mom and dad Mm -hmm. and baby died when my, my husband died so much so that I put my name on the headstone. I thought that was it. So, you know, that was that was it for me. And my dreams of ever having a children, I, again, I thought died the moment he died as well. So, um, God, God knew what I needed. And, um, this, my husband had always been around in my life for a very long time. He knew all the stories, all of the baggage that I brought there was, there was no need to explain anything. He knew who I was and in the background of my trauma. So we married and, um, we now have three beautiful babies together by Come on. God's grace. And, um, and I just, Oh, I don't cry about anything hardly anymore. <laughs> 
but those those babies just make me want to cry because every time I look at them, I just remember like I didn't even think you were possible. Like I, you know, for my life. So okay, not gonna cry, <laughs> but <laughs> but just so amazing his goodness and it's just amazing to have those babies. But after I had a couple of the children, my trauma that I had sufficiently on my own pushed down for years mm. of the sexual abuse came up and apparently just through healing and therapy and, and all the things that is not uncommon for trauma to occur with major life, life events. And well, I have lots of those as we talked about death and marriage and kids and all the things. So the trauma came up and unfortunately this time, fortunately now, but at the time was unfortunate. I could not push it down anymore. I tried, mm -hmm. I did everything yeah. I could to for that trauma to be pushed back down and compartmentalized and put away and just was not happening. Um, I was at the point where anxiety was manifesting physically. Um, I would have knots in my shoulders so deep. My jaw would be clenched up. I actually went to mm. the hospital because I thought my jaw was locked from just wow. the tension that I was carrying around. I was having what I know now is anxiety attacks um, often. And what I should have, you know, here I am married with my dreams, if you will, coming true, all these beautiful children and just so much in love and yeah. having anxiety attacks every day. Yeah. Um, so I had, I, I didn't have a choice because physically um, I was not able to go on without the healing portion of that. So, mm -hmm. and God knows me and he knows that uh, sometimes I need things to be spoken very loudly to me to really get that I have to deal with something. And this was super loud. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we uh, started the healing journey with the Lord. Then I went to a camp at my church called Women Camp and really thought that this was my answer. I'd heard lots of stories of miracles coming out of this camp. So when I heard about it, I knew I had to go. I am not a camper, I'm a super girly girl. So this was going to be definitely out of my comfort zone, but went to the camp and just experienced God in a beautiful way there um, and found that I had a group of women surrounding me that I was able to, for the first time, just start sharing some of these skeletons in my closet mm. and letting some of this darkness out. Um, yeah. And they received me and loved me. And it was so beautiful. It was all the things I had been hiding my whole life, just trying to get acceptance. And here I am saying all the things I'm hiding and they're accepting me immediately and loving me. Wow. So wow. it was so beautiful. And it was a freedom that, you know, I just never, um, taste it before. And I had to have more of it. So that kind of mm. just started my healing journey and, um, in some ways addiction <laughs> to healing. Like I was not 
going to, um, I knew God did not start something in me, this healing process without, you know, the fullness coming to pass. So I, um, started on this journey and, um, just went after it full force was all. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Um, the, it's just like the grace of God, just all around the whole thing. I mean, mm -hmm. I even, I don't know if this is the case or not, but I'm just thinking that maybe, you know, as you're, as you're sharing and, and just kind of listening to the timeline of the way that this all transpired, it's like, I, I feel like God will, um, I, I feel, I feel like he'll give us space sometimes. Like mm -hmm. these things started to come up. Mm -hmm. Right. Like these things eventually um, started to to come back up to got to the point where you have to deal with this. But then God was so faithful to surround you with people to create avenues for you to begin to talk and to share these things and to really kind of open up your heart and to allow that healing process to begin. You know, maybe, a, you know, a couple of years prior to that, maybe it, it just wouldn't have worked. <laughs> like maybe you weren't ready for it or something like that. So just to kind of see the faithfulness and the kindness of the Lord just in the different ways that he allows us to walk through things. And then eventually like kind of get to the point where God's just like, all right, like it's gone on long enough. Like I, you know, it's been pushed down long enough. I want you to be free and mm -hmm. it's going to hurt. There's going to, it's going to be messy. There's going to be pain there. You're going to have to be vulnerable. You're going to, you know what I mean? We're going to have to pull those skeletons out of the closet, but it's going to be for your good. And so I, I just, I love that. I love the the kindness of God in in the, in in your story in the way that he yes. just kind of walked with you through all those different seasons mm -hmm. he was so yeah. he was so sweet just each step i took he he met me there and was so kind so yes yeah yeah and i don't know if this is relevant or not but you know i'm, I'm just thinking too I, I feel like sometimes we can make the like as leaders you know we can kind of we can make the mistake of i don't know like pushing somebody to to deal with things before they're ready to or pushing them too fast or you know wanting somebody to go a mile when they're only ready to take a step you know and like i feel like we can we can make that mistake with people but if we will just kind of trust the lord submit to the lord and his ways of doing things like he's so good he's so faithful and he never he never gave up on you he never left you but again, he was he was kind and tender with you to, you know, like allow you to walk through a process where it, it wasn't like like I'm, I'm in a rush. Like God's not God's not in a rush as we often are to right. deal with things. And I love that you said, too, that you became addicted to healing and it just got to the point, you know, what? like because I mean it's it's like with anything in life like most of the things that are going to be for our good that are going to help us to get to a new level or to perform better or to to just experience better things like there's going to be work involved and there's going to be cost involved and there's going to be surrender and there's going to be death to self like there's going to be different things involved in that process that we could just so just so often choose to just forego and just kind of stay where we are and kind of stay in our comfort zone. But that willingness to say, you know, I'm I'm pushing these chips to the center and I'm going all in and like I'm not stopping until you get what you want. <laughs> God, like I'm not stopping until, you know, until you're done. And it's just really, really cool. And uh, 
you know, we all have that, right? Like we all have things that we've got hidden. We've all got hidden places of our heart that, uh, you know, again, I don't think God is like, like, all right, you know, we're like in, in a rush to deal with those things, but he'll allow our lives to kind of transpire and allow us to walk this journey with him where he will eventually, you know, let us know whether it's through circumstances or just through his leading through his voice or whatever, through maybe through somebody else, prophetic word, calling something out or something like that, however it happens, but where he's like, like, it's, it's time to deal with this. And then that willingness when God is doing that in our lives to submit to his leadership and to say, yeah, you're my good shepherd. And I trust you that anything that we're going to walk through, that's going to cost me, that's going to be painful there's going to be more glory and more of you on the other side of it. Right. And, and just yeah. that going back to Jeremiah 29, 11 in that trusting healing journey that he has taken me through. Um, he, he became a safe person to me. He was, he became That's safe good. as, as we Christians sometimes are not safe, but it was a, a slow dance to know with me, if you will, to know that he was safe. And, and that's why my dependency became so strong on him. Um, at the beginning of my healing journey, he gave me the verse Luke eight forty eight, And it says, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. And that's, um, as some of us know, the woman with the blood issue story. Mm -hmm. And if you look back, that woman became addicted to healing as well. You know, 12 years, she's, she's chasing healing for this blood issue. She had, um, going and doing all the things. And, and I, I'm, I'm sensing somewhere in her spirit. She knew that this, this wasn't, you know, all for me, there has to be more for me. You know, God didn't bring me this far just to bring me this far. So that really, that verse, I just took a hold of and knew that, you know, by the end of the journey, I was going to hear that daughter, your faith has made you mm -hmm. well, go in peace. Yeah. And that's yeah. a piece that, you know, I'm experiencing, experiencing and walking in today because of just clinging to him. So he's good. So that's so good. Um, so how did you... I start to uh, the process of writing writing the book. So your so your book, one of the more um, unique titles that I've seen uh, in a book, and I love it. And it's just one of the it catches catches your eye, grabs your attention, uh, from stilettos to grace. And um, how did how did that kind of transpire? What what led you to you know decide that you were going to write this book? And what was that process like for you? You know, the first time, the first moments I heard god utter anything uh about this book was actually sitting in that hospital room as my husband was you know struggling and dealing with leukemia obviously mm. it was not time for me to write that book yet and god knew that but that was just the seed he had planted in me um so it was with me but um you know this whole time knowing that i was supposed to write a book but really a couple of years ago, I just felt it rise up in me that, you know, now was time and it was time to do this. Um, and that was, you know, his faithfulness and bringing me, you know, uh, five years ago, I wouldn't have been able to sit here and be on Facebook and podcasts and all the things saying I used to yeah. be a stripper, you know, like 
it it wasn't time Mm -hmm. you know yeah the time the time was now so you know others can see that he is good in his grace and the freedom that he has given me to be able to say these things and um so the title is very much on purpose it's to reach you know um an audience maybe you know not the super christian maybe but it's it's to reach for those who um just where jesus needs me to meet i guess my king my kingdom people so um i love them and um and i know that the right people are picking up this book and i'm getting messages every day that um you know just breaks my heart these women are messaging me and saying that they can relate to everything in my story. And um, although that's encouraging, it also breaks my heart that they can relate. So mm, yeah, I know there's yeah. a reason, you know, God had me write it just this way. So yeah. Amen. Well, what's like your plug for the book? A, a, just a, a good description from you, from your heart of this book, what people will get out of it when they read it and what your, what your heart is uh, behind this book. You know, it's really cool. Cause I was never much of a reader. Um, and everyone that has, well, not everyone, but a lot of people that have been reading my book are also not really readers. The book is mm. very short. Um, it's very simply written because I'm a simple gal. Um, so a lot of people are picking up the book and reading it with, within an hour to the entire thing. And they're experiencing that they can't put it down, which is great because there is a lot of emotions in there and a lot of rawness. Um, but you know, kind of going through the roller coasters of emotions to really meet God at the end and his grace. So, um, that, that has been their experience with it. And it's just, um, the point of the book though, is just so others can, you know, find, find hope and know that they're not too far gone, just like I wasn't too far gone. So Mm, that's so good. Oh, it's so good. No, I love, I love that you're, uh, doing that. Like I, I can relate to that. Um, I'm into writing small books or short books, you know, that can be, that can be read in a couple of hours. And uh, also I love that it's, I love that it's, uh, you know, simple language and simply written and that, you know, just, it just opens up the relatability to it. I used to like, I used to pride myself on being deep, you know, like in teaching and preaching and stuff. Like I used to pride myself. I used to, I used to think that it was like, cool. But what I realized after a while was like, this is for me. This isn't for anybody. Like this is, this is me like building up my ego by feeling like I can talk deeply. And, and I, and what I realized is that if I can only talk deep about something, it probably means I don't understand it well enough to actually Mm -hmm. talk about it simply. And I think to be able to explain something in simple language that anybody can grasp is really the mark that you've lived and experienced it. And it's really a mark that there's, um, that there's, there's value there, you know, and I, I don't want to, you know, if you, if, you know, there's deep stuff out there that's really profoundly written and it's awesome as well. But I just, I think that when you're able to explain something on a simple level, it usually means that it's coming from a real place where like somebody's lived this and they, they actually have authority to speak on this matter. And so um, I think it's awesome and I love what you're doing 
And I just uh, appreciate you, Tiffany, for being on the podcast today. It's been, I feel like we've gone on a journey together. <laughs> like I've been on, on, on a journey. It was, I, I love the progression of the way the episode laid uh, kind of, you know, just progressed. And we were able to kind of go through the experiences of your life and stuff like that. And I really appreciate your openness and uh, just the way that you shared everything. So yeah. thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. So thank you. Yeah. So um, before we wrap up, let's um, point some people to some places where they can find some some more of you and and resources. Of course, the book. So if you want to yeah. mention a website, social media, wherever uh, people can go to uh, to find you and your stuff. Absolutely. And I can share the link later as well. But you can find my book right now from Stilettos to Grace on Amazon. It is officially released. You can find me mm. on Facebook. Yes, so exciting. On Facebook from Stilettos to Grace and Instagram and Twitter and all the things. I'm mostly on Facebook, though. It must be my old school self or something. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I still do Facebook. I still do mostly Facebook. <laughs> I do Facebook and LinkedIn a lot. And I, I grit my teeth through instagram and uh the other you know tiktok a little bit hashtagging like, like it's that, but so I'm why do we have to hashtag everything it's so complicated yeah. so yeah i'll get there <laughs> but by god's grace we'll all get there <laughs> that's so cool well uh well thank you again and i'll make sure that we put links in the show notes for the podcast platforms as well and uh, between you and me we'll share some links um on the uh the facebook um uh, post for anybody watching this as a rebroadcast and whatever else. Uh, but again, Tiffany, thank you so much. I love just hearing about God's grace, God's faithfulness, God's kindness, uh, just really revealed and demonstrated in your life, even through all of the darkness and all of the the tragedy and all the difficulty and everything. But you're you're here today and you are a light and you're a shining example of just how good God is mm -hmm. and uh, of the redemption and just the goodness that can be revealed in your life when you um, just go after God, even, even when it doesn't make sense. And yeah. so, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for uh, taking the time to be here and check out this episode. If you were watching live, watching later or listening on one of the podcast platforms, I really think that you are the best. You're amazing. Uh, thanks so much. Make sure that you check out those resources that Tiffany mentioned. Uh, again, you'll find links in the show notes and all that kind of stuff as well. And uh, if this episode blessed you, if it encouraged you, challenged you, uh, made you think something like that, added some kind of value to your life, if you would consider uh, subscribing on one of the podcast platforms, uh, liking the Facebook page, Real Life Talk, or uh, leaving a review anywhere that you feel like it, I would be uh, just truly honored. It'd be amazing. I'll be your best friend. So thank you guys so much. And uh, again, Tiffany, thanks so much. Thank you. See you. Well, hopefully we'll do it again. Uh, I'll be in touch and, uh, and we'll go from there, but, uh, but have a good one. Great. You too. Thanks. Bye everybody.